0: I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 85 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hammer that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. Okay, dads, I have some exciting news to share with you guys today. I have signed a distribution deal with Entercom, which has relaunched their streaming service since merging with CBS Radio. So now, starting this week, First Class Fatherhood will be available to hundreds of thousands of new potential listeners through their podcast streaming service, Radio.com. So to all the new listeners who are tuning in out there for the first time, I would like to say welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. This is a podcast that celebrates fatherhood and family values. I am a father of four kids. I have three boys and a little princess. And not only do I discuss my own struggles and failures at times as a dad, I have been truly humbled to be joined here by some extraordinary men who share their experience through fatherhood as well. One of the key points I try to get across here on the podcast is that the perception of fathers today doesn't quite match up with the experience most dads are having. The world has definitely moved on from viewing women as simply homemakers and primary caregivers to a much bigger role that they play in the family and society as well, while we still have the same old view of the father as that dad who's just an idiot who can't change a diaper and needs to have a big pat on the back whenever he does anything alone out in public with his kids. I try to stress this point a lot. We are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. And I am not trying to be a better father than anyone except the father I was yesterday. So if you guys are scrolling through the archives of the podcast and wondering where you should start, might I suggest try one of my most downloaded episodes, which would be episode 47 with actor Dean Kane, episode 54 with the Navy SEAL that killed Osama Bin Laden, Rob O'Neill, episode 78 with NFL Hall of Fame legend Deion Sanders, And episode 71 with another Hall of Fame legend and father of seven, Kurt Warner. And to be honest, you guys can pick just about any episode at random, and you will be listening to something that you can relate to as a dad. And today's guest is no different. I am honored to have with me today a legendary firefighter. And if you guys can recall the Oklahoma City bombing back in 1995 then you surely will remember seeing a photo of Chris Fields carrying the lifeless body of Bailey Allman from the wreckage of that disaster. Chris is a first-class father, and he is my guest today. He's here to talk about how that event changed his life, not only as a man, but as a father. So let me smack you guys with a quick spot here, and I'll be right back with Chris Fields. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now is a First Class Father. He spent 31 years as a firefighter in the Oklahoma City Fire Department. He was captured in a timeless photo carrying the body of one-year-old Bailey Allman from the carnage of the Oklahoma City bombing. It is a real honor for me to say, Chris Fields, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you, sir. Okay, Chris, let's start it here. How many kids do you have and how old are they? I have two sons.
1: I have one that is 25 years old at fixing be 26, and then I have a 20-year-old who is a sophomore in college.
0: Okay, very cool. What type of sports or activities were the boys into growing up? Uh, Football, basketball, baseball. And it was – they're they're six years apart,
1: so we had a little bit of a break. But once we had both of them, it was was year-round
0: for for football, basketball, and baseball. Okay, I can definitely hear that. Um, Did you have an opportunity to coach the boys when they were playing, or did you cheer them on from the sidelines? Uh, No, sir. I I coached my oldest one in – football, basketball,
1: and, and baseball. And my youngest one started out playing for some other guys because I was coaching the older one it's when, when, when the younger one got old enough to play. And then uh, he pretty much stayed with another football coach the whole time, which was
0: great. And then uh, I coached him in uh, baseball and basketball, the younger one. Okay, Chris, listen, I have the utmost respect for all first responders, police, and our military Uh, None of you guys, none of you men and women are guaranteed to come home at the end of the day. So I I really, I admire all the work that you guys do. And I can kind of understand that mindset of a single person who says, you know what, if something happens to me, then so be it. But once you're married and now you have kids, that really changes the dynamic of everything in your life. So I'm curious, how did becoming a father change your approach as a firefighter? Well,
1: um, you know,
0: I think I I answer it like, other like
1: police officer, or other first responders would. It really can't change your your mindset a, a whole lot because you've got other people depending on you when you're on the scene of calls. And so, I mean, you think about it a a heck of a lot more. And I did notice that once I had kids, that the uh, you had that heightened oh well, even more heightened adrenaline when you were making calls that were affecting uh, that had kids involved but as far as changing your your outlook and how you approach the job um just I mean slight example you know if it was a working what we call a working house fire and I had decided to do something different because I was worried about not going home the next day because of my kids it could affect uh the rest of my crew and so it really was something you couldn't really change
0: your 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 mindset and how you approach the job Okay. Well said. All right. The Oklahoma city bombing happened 23 years ago. Now it's hard to believe. Uh, please take me and the listeners back to that day and walk us through your experience. Um, April 19th, 1995. Um, it was a Wednesday,
1: uh, went to the station that morning, uh, got there about six o'clock doing our normal stuff, 6 a.m. Uh exchanged info with the other shifts. started our daily routine, and on a Wednesday it was a yard and a mowing day for the station, and so everybody was out doing that, me and the uh, other two officers at the station were standing in the kitchen talking about going to the grocery store, what we were going to get for breakfast. uh, About what we did about 9 o'clock in the morning, and we felt the station, uh, we heard a large explosion, felt it, felt the station rattle, the windows rattled, Um, we went outside and Look to the south towards the downtown area. My station at the time was about 14 blocks north of the bomb site, and um, we saw the large plume of smoke. Knew we would be dispatched because of our proximity, and we did what we we call self dispatch. We didn't wait for the orders to come over the system. We just all we had three rigs at my station that day, and we all we all manned our rigs and responded down there, uh, without being dispatched. So um, the first we were about probably 10, 11 blocks away when we started noticing um, uh, glass blown out of buildings, uh, small shops along the way down uh, a street. Um, got to the to the bomb side of the street it was on, and we stopped at a, a, a building before we got there that had a daycare in it, uh, separate from the federal building's daycare, and we're doing triage there. So it was probably another 10 minutes or five or ten minutes once we got actually on the scene before we actually saw the building and what we were actually digging with.
0: Yeah, what a tragic day, and it's one of those events or one of those moments where you remember exactly where you were when you heard the news, and for you, that was just down the street. Um, And and as with all tragedies that we see unfolding on TV, whenever there's children involved, that really accelerates the impact and the effect that it has on all of us watching. Uh, Unfortunately, there were 19 kids uh, that day who perished one of them you held in your arms uh, were there any other kids who survived the blast that day uh, and did you come across any of the other kids involved
1: um no sir i didn't come across any other other children and uh yeah there were there were quite a few kids from that daycare uh what's the think it was called american kids daycare that that survived and are are doing well today i i see updates on them uh came friends with one of the fathers who had two kids that were severely injured but are both uh, doing very well today. Um, uh, Bailey was the only only child I encountered when uh, when the police officer handed her to me. That's the only child I, I encountered that
0: day. Okay, Bailey Ullman was only a year old that day. What is your relationship like today with Bailey's mom, and does she have any other kids?
1: Uh, yes, uh, her name is Erin Ullman, and um, she has... Uh, Two, two children. She has a daughter that's, uh, I believe, a junior at the same university that my son goes to, University of Oklahoma. And then she has a son, I believe, a senior in high school. And, uh, well, and I know that because our relationship is still pretty pretty strong today where uh, she's just kind of an extension of our family and, and, and vice versa. We've celebrated birthdays of kids together and graduations and wedding anniversaries. You know, we don't we don't talk all the time you know we we try maybe once a month at least just I'll check in see how she's doing but you know you know how it is life life just gets in the way you know sometimes and but but we always make a point to uh
0: to, to check up on, on each other yeah. That's so cool that you guys are still connected all these years later. Uh, let me ask you this, Chris. The photo of you carrying Bailey was seen around the world. It was a Pulitzer Prize winning photo. You became recognizable and almost like the face of this tragedy. Um, how did the photo and the attention that it brought on you, what type of effect did that have on you and your family?
1: Um, that's a great question because it, it's been twofold. Uh, it At first, it was a, um, it was, it was something that I really came to, um, what's the word I'm looking Despise, I guess I should say. It, it the, the guilt, the stuff I went through after the photo was just, uh, I, I really struggled with the guilt of, of being the, being the last person to hold her, her child. I struggled with the guilt of putting her, you know, in that position to where she, had so much attention thrust upon her because of the photo and of course you know the brain is telling me you know guilt guilt affects you whether you deserve it or not that was guilt i was putting on myself uh that i that wasn't deserved um but it led me down a path of uh without for time restraint here you know i'll just jump ahead i was several years later i was diagnosed with ptsd Went through some counseling for that. Through that counseling, uh, it helped me deal with a lot of unprocessed, unprocessed trauma from years before and other events, job-related, non-job-related. Uh, jump ahead to now, it brought me to where I'm at now, which is in a great place, great relationship with my family, uh, and, and going out and speaking to other first responders about PTSD. But it took me a long, winding road of of lots and lots of mistakes uh, that if I didn't have the
0: family I had with supporting me, I would be where I'm at today. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I mean, I can only imagine uh, how difficult it must be to be singled out for an act of heroism like that. But I mean, I would definitely like to say that you are a hero. Um, I really honor the fact that you dedicated your life to serving others. And I commend you for what you've done. And, and you're a first class father. Uh, did any of your boys follow your footsteps into the firehouse? <laughs> Neither one of them. They, uh, uh, my oldest one, He he,
1: he always wanted to. He always says he's going to be a, a firefighter and an artist. Well, he ended up being neither, but he, uh, he, uh, he just, he's like torn both of his ACLs through sports. His knees are just, he's 25. He's got terrible knees. So he didn't want to try to mess with it. My, my youngest one, he's, uh, he likes the, the thrill of maybe the fight in the fire and all that. But, you know, 85% of our calls are first aid medical calls. And he just, that's just not his, his cup of tea. He said, but, uh, but they are both great, great kids, despite my failings throughout the years that I had when I, when I, uh, was suffering with my, my PTSD and has no excuse for the things I did. But, uh, the way they turned out, my, my, my wife, I, mean, I couldn't be more proud. Uh, I got caught, you know, I've heard some of your other guests too. And, you know, I got, I got caught up in putting my legacy with, with the fire department. And my friends on the fire department ahead of my ahead of my family for several years, and that was uh, and that was a pretty big downfall. So for my my
0: boys to to be where they're at today and and all that, I couldn't be more thankful. Yeah, Chris, and I think that's one of the most difficult things for all dads or, or any parent, really, is to be able to focus on ourselves, what we're doing, and then focus on our families and kind of try to give equal distribution of the time between the two. It's very challenging, and that's why uh, the family structure, it's so important because we need the family to pull us through when the bottom falls out on us uh, just as much as we do when things are going great. Uh, oh, no doubt, and, and you know I've had people ask me before, and I'm, I hope my boys have learned
1: I hope I was able to teach them things how to do how to do things and how to get by in life, but I hope they learned just as much from me of what not to do you know also um the things I went through that I put off on them was just uh like i say it's it's humiliating to talk about but it's 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 a good message for me to put out there to uh to talk to parents or fathers about uh where their focus should be.
0: Yeah, one thing for me as a father is definitely that uh, I learn so much more from my failures in life and as a father than I do from my successes. But one of the things I do struggle with is watching my kids fail, letting them fail, even though that I understand fully that it will lead to growth. Uh, I think it's one of the most difficult things for, for most parents. It, it is. It's
1: tough to, uh,
0: it's tough to watch them fail. Uh, or even when you, you, you try to
1: pull yourself back is when you even see them start heading down that road. And you know... You know you know what's coming, just like and they don't think you know, just like I didn't used to think my my dad knew what he was talking about, <laughs> but you know and i I realize the older I get, the smarter my dad was, <laughs> and uh the boys to to for the relationship to have with my, that I have with my sons right now i I'm thankful every night because I still lay in in bed at night or some, get some quiet time, and i still I still think back and regret the the couple of years I lost. When, when I wasn't being the father I was supposed to be.
0: All right, Chris. What type of advice would you offer to parents out there whose kids are pursuing a career in firefighting? Um, really, for
1: firefighters and first responders, I mean, it is a, it is a, it's a calling. I, I truly believe it is. It, it, you know, if you take on that profession, um, just remember, you know, and that's not saying you don't give a hundred percent to your job. That is, I mean, that's what you need to do, especially to stay safe. You got but first of all you can't you can't be a hero to the citizens or be a protector of the citizens that you're swore to protect unless you're a first you know a hero to yourself and to your family and then that's where I got caught up was not my getting my uh priorities out of line um your legacy and all that should be with your family and your friends not not with your job. But I did learn that in a heartbeat. As soon as you retire and they're gone, hey, they're they're filling that vacancy. They're not they're they're not missing you. They're filling that vacancy and, and you move on with life. And so I just say that, you know, no matter what profession, uh you you've got to take time for your for your uh for your family and your kids and or, or you'll lose focus in a hurry.
0: Yeah. Well said. All right. After 31 years, your firefighting career is now in the books. What's next for Chris Fields? What are your goals right now? Uh, what are you up to? What are you focused on? Oh, uh,
1: it's, it's getting kind of busy. I got into, I, I got, uh, I guess you had on your show, Jay Dobbins. Uh, I, I speak with Jay every now and then and another gentleman who runs an or- organization called safe dot org, a 24 hour hotline for the first responders to call. And, um, that's what I'm doing I'm going around and, and, and telling my story, which is which is has a little success to it, but it's a lot more about failure, but how to overcome that failure and and, and go back and have a productive life, productive career which which' is what I'm doing now uh it's helped me realize the purpose of everything that went on in my life that I'm able now to go to go help other people and and
0: maybe give them a little
1: insight to help them avoid some of the pitfalls that I did.
0: Yeah. Hey, it's awesome that you're out there and that you're speaking and telling your story because uh, your story is incredible. Your message is important and uh, you will make a difference in many lives. So um, let me hit you with this last question here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast here. What type of advice could you give to that new father or to that about to be dad that's out there listening?
1: Oh man, love your kids unconditionally. Um, that doesn't mean spoil them rotten. It doesn't mean you let them get away with things. You, you know, raise your men to be men and raise your, you know, your, your girls to be ladies. Uh, make them both garner respect and make them both give respect. And, you know, and I would say I was fortunate enough in my profession that I had the time off and I was able to get away to go to my son's events, whether it was a sporting event, a school award. I would say do not... You've got to either work your job or find a job or do something where you make time for those kids. Because being a coach and a dad at events, seeing seeing sons looking around for their dads that weren't there. Now you know I know things come up and there's sometimes it's out of town trips, sometimes work just happens. But the ones who continuously are, you know, I'm sitting there celebrating with my son and I'm looking at this other you know kid who's looking for his dad and they're not there. And that's a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And
0: as I say, it's just take time, take time to be with those kids because in a blink of an eye, it's gone. I agree. Fatherhood rocks. And, and I'm here celebrating it with some awesome dads like yourself. Uh, drop your contact info on my listeners here so they know how they can get in touch with you. Um, On, I well, I'm on Twitter and it's just uh,
1: at FF4OU. And uh, then I have an email, which is, L fields 64 at ATt.net and uh, I always put that personal information out there if any any first responders want to want to talk to me uh, I'm more than willing to listen I can try to help if they got some issues and if not I
0: we can definitely find out where they can get some awesome Chris fields everyone it was an honor to speak with you today thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time right here on first class fatherhood
1: Thank you, sir. It was, uh, it was an honor and privilege, and, and I love what you're doing. Love your
0: podcast. All right. I'll be right back after a quick spot. to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, i got to give a special thank you once again to Chris Fields for giving me a few minutes of his time here. That was pretty cool. Hit me up on Twitter. Drop me a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to hear your feedback. And come back here on Wednesday. I will be dropping a special edition episode. I will be putting all of my NFL Hall of Fame interviews in one neat little podcast for you guys. This way you can listen to all of them straight through. I was fortunate enough to interview Hall of Famers Morton Anderson, Andre Reid, Kurt Warner, Deion Sanders, and Willie Rofe. So you can go back into the archives there and check those episodes out individually. Or Wednesday, I will be dropping them all into one podcast where you can find them and play them through all in one shot. So stay tuned for that. And then Friday, I will be dropping episode 86. I will be joined here by comedian Josh Wolf. So come on, dads, fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here on the number one kids and family podcast, First Class Fatherhood, all right? That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first class fathers.